It's not only our war, it's your war too. I have a question for the EU. How many Palestinians need to die for the EU to call for a ceasefire? Until a few days ago, I had lost 52 family members. Every day that number grows and now it's already at least 55. We'll liberate them and we'll liberate ourselves from the from this horror, this scourge of barbarism. Yesterday, the Israeli occupation forces committed a massacre in Jabalia camp near my, my family's house, and I can't know anything about them. I came today, and I don't know anything about them. It's the war of civilization against barbarism. We have to win it. The remaining loved ones are trapped until now under the rubble, until the time we speak. We are the people of the light. They are the people of darkness, and light shall triumph over darkness. I fall asleep thinking about those images. There is no food, there is no water. My mom said to me we wish to die because she can't see my my brothers hungry and she can't make anything for them. But he's got to do what he's got to do. I mean, these uh, you're dealing with cold-blooded killers. And you can make all kinds of excuses why they are, but they are. And his job is to protect this, protect this country. And uh, anyway. In the face of this unimaginable tragedy, we must remember the names and stories of those we have lost. Rahaf Abu Mu'alek, 19 years old. Ranim Abu Mu'alek, 17 years old. Ragat Abu Mu'alek, 14 years old. Sami Abu Mu'alek, 10 years old. Yusuf Abu Mu'alek, 5 years old. We must honor their memory and demanding accountability and justice and an immediate end to the barbaric attacks that have claimed so many lives so far. Moral clarity. You must stop the war against Gaza. It's enough with killing children. Enough with killing innocent children. It's not only our war. It's your war too.
recently joined a growing list of world leaders condemning Israel not just simply for war crimes, not just simply for crimes against humanity, but for genocide. The late president of the Center for Constitutional Rights, Michael Ratner, uh, during Israel's 2014 assault on Gaza, which killed 2,000 Palestinians, advocated that the Genocide Convention be invoked in that case against Israel, saying that legally for genocide, quote, you don't need to kill all of them. You just need to have the mental intent to kill part of them. Craig Mokhyber, who just resigned as director of the New York office of the UN High Commissioner for Human Rights, noted that intent, usually the hardest part of genocide to prove, isn't in this case. He's, he wrote in his resignation letter, quote, explicit statements of intent by leaders in the Israeli government and military leave no room for doubt or debate. Um, finally, Francis Boyle, who successfully prosecuted successfully represented Bosnia and Herzegovina in their genocide case against Yugoslavia before the International Court of Justice has similarly argued that the Palestinians or any other signer to the Genocide Convention should immediately instigate a, initiate a uh, emergency legal process invoking the convention at the International Court of Justice, yet no government has done so. Genocide. It's not only our war. It's your war too.
one of those situations where somebody who deals with trauma in my work and who speaks so much and words really are my metier, the words fail me at this point. Um, it's difficult to explain how I perceive the situation, but in a certain deep sense, I feel that it's the worst thing I've seen in my whole life. And uh, it's impossible to compare atrocities I mean, nothing compares with the mechanized murder of five, six million Jews by the Nazis. Uh, <clears throat> what can compare to the slaughter of three million Vietnamese civilians by the Americans? Um, the many murders and mass killings that are not even reported in the Western press, such as the Indian Asian genocide in East Timor, such as the killing of 100,000 Guatemalan indigenous people in the 1990s, by the American and the Israeli trained brutal military in that country. One could go on. But what is different about this is that I've never seen anything so publicly committed, such atrocities perpetrated on television, and the victims are presented as the, uh, as the perpetrators. And either this spectacle, this obscene, this is this is spectacle that we're subjected to is either supported or condoned by the major media major media and all the politicians now um it's obligatory and i think it's even necessary to say this is my point of view is that what happened on october 7th wasn't justifiable that the killings of civilians, whatever details may yet emerge about intentions or what actually happened, that's not something that should have happened. That was something horrible and it was an atrocity. But even the need to say that comes out of a culture in which the atrocities of the other side are never called out. No Israeli spokesman when they talk about their policies, ever ask, do you condemn the uh, the pogrom at Hawara in the, in the West Bank earlier this year? Do you condemn the killings of Palestinian children by settlers? Do you, do you condemn the regular attacks by the settlers? Do you understand that the former deputy chief of staff of the Israeli army said that the situation of the Palestinians in the West Bank reminds him of the situation of Jews in Germany? Is this even reported in the Western press? And what he meant by is that the settlers, like the Nazi hooligans, are free to attack the Palestinians as the Nazis, thugs, the brown shirts, were free to attack Jews, and the army and the police not only stood by, they aided and abetted them. Is the Western public made aware of the thousands of Jewish, Israeli rabbis and historians and intellectuals who recently signed a document calling the present situation, clearly apartheid. Are you aware that the former head of Mossad has said that the situation of the Palestinians under the occupation is apartheid? And so when anybody is asked to speak about perpetrations on the Palestinian side, they're immediately asked to condemn and to denounce and to reject. And yet the daily suffering, crucifixion of the Palestinian people, and including and especially the people in Gaza, 
Nobody's ever called to task. Nobody's ever questioned any smooth-faced liars in the Israeli army who um, could give less, who would give lessons to Goebbels, Joseph Goebbels, who are, who are masters of propaganda, like Goebbels never was. They're allowed to get away with it. One were to see the situation that is on the ground with Israeli bombs that are there for 20 days against the helpless Palestinian people, with 7,000 men, women, and small children, half of them children, 
killed by Israel in the last 20 days, 17,000 injured, 1.1 million Palestinians displaced. The enormity of the crimes that are being committed by Israel against the Palestinian people are so great and enormous that it is amazing that when my friend from Canada insists on naming the organization Hamas, that he does not feel the need for the equity and balance and fairness for which Canada is so well known. He does not feel the need to name Israel for killing 7,000 Palestinians and injuring 17,000. Only Hamas. Is this balance? He says what needs to be named has to be named. We believe Israel needs to be named if you are fair, if you are equitable, if you are just. You will not blame one side and not the other. And if you were to go back to the issue of who started this, we all know who started this. It is a 50 years of Israeli occupation and the murder and killing of Palestinians with impunity that started this. When you push a people into the corner, they will respond. This is what the Secretary General said. It did not happen in a vacuum. And look at the reaction that, was, that came from the Israeli representative, insulting the Secretary General, calling for his resignation. They can't face the truth. They can't face justice. They can't fair, face the fact that the, crim that the crime has originated with the Israelis. The Israeli occupation is the original sin in this case. It is not what happened on the 7th of October. That is the proximate cause. But the real cause is the occupation of Palestine.
it would be possible to find a full agreement on this with the Arab and Islamic leaders. And this is not a hunch on my part. One needs merely to look at the statement that the Arab and Islamic leaders made from their emergency meeting in Riyadh, Saudi Arabia, a couple of days ago. They didn't call for the destruction of Israel. They didn't wail uh, about uh, the evils. They said this needs a political solution now to save the lives of the people of Palestine, but also for the security of Israel. In other words, for everybody's security, this war needs to stop immediately and we need a two-state solution. And in that statement by the Arab and Islamic leaders, they pointed out a document which is absolutely important and fascinating for people to refresh their memories or to learn about for the first time if they don't know about it. And that is the 2002 Arab Peace Initiative, also spearheaded by the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia. And what in 2002 the Arab leaders said is, we will normalize relations with Israel. We will have diplomatic relations. We will end the state of war with the achievement of a state of Palestine in a two-state solution. We will help to guarantee the security of Israel. One of the great lies of our time is there's no one to talk to. Uh, that's what uh, Netanyahu and his cronies say. The ones to talk to are Egypt, Jordan, Saudi Arabia, United Arab Emirates, uh, and indeed, by the way, Iran as well, which is actively engaged in constructive diplomacy that we have blown off repeatedly, including the Joint Comprehensive Plan of Action, the JCPOA, which was the deal uh, in 2015 with Iran uh, to uh, end sanctions uh, as part of uh, the uh, disbandment uh, by Iran of any nuclear program. And then Trump walked away from that and Biden never walked back to it. All of this is to say there's plenty of grounds, plenty of grounds for constructive diplomacy right now for Israel's security. So why doesn't it happen? Because the Netanyahu government doesn't want it to happen because that constructive security, it's constructive towards a Palestinian but, but, but what, state. But what about the... We'll liberate them and we'll liberate ourselves from, the, from this horrid, this scourge of barbarism. This scourge of barbarism. It's the war of civilization against barbarism. It's the war of civilization against barbarism. It's the war of civilization against barbarism. We have to win it. You're dealing with cold-blooded killers. You're dealing with cold-blooded killers. Die. 
It's not only our war. It's your war too. More clarity. It's our moral duty. Immoral. Evil. Immoral. When victory is ours, we'll wipe every trace of the files and their city from the face of this land. Good evening, everybody. This is Cheap Tuesdays 101.5 UMFM. If you're tuning in November 21st, 2023, this is a new show. Last time I was on the air with you live was just after our embarrassment of a parliament stood up and gave two standing ovations to an actual Nazi. Remember that? Fun times, huh? That was honestly my breaking point. Uh, I needed a break anyway to prep the Halloween shows and the Remembrance Day show, which are all online here at umfm.com now on the Cheap Tuesdays page, uh, if you want to hear them. They take me a long time to make, and I figured, eh, I'm not going to miss anything anyway. Not a big deal. And then October 7th happened. And uh, what has followed since then, in the, in the last weeks, uh, has been disgusting. The attempted genocide of the Palestinian people by the Zionist forces and the Israeli government and the whole Western world just pretending like it's all okay. It's by far the most disgusting, embarrassing, infuriating thing I've seen in my lifetime. And I'm, you know, not a young man, but I'm not an old man. Uh, yeah, it's gross. Uh, the opening clip there, you heard Palestinian people talking about how many people they know have died, been murdered, been slaughtered. 
interspersed with uh, quotes from Benjamin Netanyahu, a truly disgusting human being that should be arrested for war crimes and put on trial in The Hague. But that would imply there's something akin to fairly applied justice in the world, which, you know, is nothing but a joke. First song you heard is uh, Serge Tankian. Yes, it's genocide. And uh, the lyrics there, the translation, things like, I want to die for your fear. I want to die for your life. I want to die for your terror. I want to die for your death. Just repeat it over and over and over again. Clip number two, you heard a reporter, Sam Husseini, uh, outlining all of the people around the world that are calling this a genocide. You know, the Western world's getting more and more isolated with each passing day as more countries in the global south and elsewhere are calling this what it is what it so clearly is, a genocide, a crime against humanity. Meanwhile, our governments are pretending like it's all okay and there's nothing unusual. You heard Venom after that with a track called Genocide. Then you heard a Canadian Dr. Gabor Mate, a Holocaust survivor, by the way, um, discussing a couple of his points there. The worst thing that he's seen in his life, a survivor of the Holocaust, Impossible to compare atrocities, and he lists a bunch of famous ones. But the difference, he says, is how public this one is. How it's happening in front of our eyes. And we see video every day of it. And it's supported and condoned by major media and politicians. Guar Hail Genocide after that. Fantastic track. Those guys are great. Um, then we had the Pakistani uh, ambassador's comments towards Canada, pointing out the disgusting hypocrisy of our government. Um, then you heard Ambrose Akin Musairi. I'm probably butchering that name. I apologize. The name of the track is Mistag, My Inappropriate Soundtrack to a Genocide. Uh, Jeffrey Sachs, a professor out of Columbia University. Um, lots of lifetime of experience in dealing with war and peace and negotiations and things. Just talking about how, he, how there have been peace agreements and negotiations that have happened in the last 20 plus years. But uh, Netanyahu and the forces in that party, I think it's called the Likud party, and the Zionist forces in Israel, they don't want it. They don't want it to happen. They don't want a peace agreement. They don't want a negotiation because they're psychopaths, all of them. They just want to murder and push the people off the land, commit ethnic cleansing, and take the land. It's as simple as that. You heard uh, the crazy group trio doing a, a, a track called Genocide City, which I guess is a cover from Sonic the Hedgehog. A very strange thing to find in a Sonic the Hedgehog game, some genocide. I just want to read you some facts from UNICEF. And this is from November 7th, 2023, okay? So this is already a few weeks old. Um, but just to sort of help expose what's going on here. If you look at the Iraq war from 2008 to 2022, uh, you had 3,100 children killed. That's 0 0.6 children a day and we all know how apparently evil everybody was in iraq in the ukraine war you know hitler uh, uh putin is hitler he's the worst he's the worst person ever to be born in the history of the world 0 0.7 children killed per day in that war yemen you know nobody talks about yemen but we were aiding saudi arabia to basically destroy that people uh, in the war, in the course of the war there, seven and a half years, 1.5 children a day being killed. Afghanistan, how many people get up in arms about Afghanistan and the Taliban 
and the destruction happening there. Two children per day. Syria, remember what a monster Assad is? What an evil, unbelievable, disgusting dictator you're always told he is? Three children a day. In the 30 days in the war in Gaza, guess how many children killed per day? 136. 136 compared to three in Syria. So tell me again, he's, he's a good guy? Netanyahu, he's one of the good guys? We're on his side. We should be sending him money. We should be sending him, him weapons. We should be saying everything he's doing is okay when he's killing 136 children a day. The main point I want to make to you here is the connection between this and all wars. Look at what they're all doing. And I, I think a lot of people like that listen to UMFM and, and I hope a lot of people in Winnipeg. I've seen some reports in Canada how the protests are building, calling for a ceasefire. Look how, look how blatantly they're lying to your faces right now. Manipulating the facts, cracking down and outright banning dissent by firing people or arresting people that disagree. If they're willing to do it here with Israel-Palestine, do you really think you were getting the whole truth with Ukraine-Russia? Do you not think that they would use all those same tactics? You're seeing it unfold in front of your very eyes, how completely corrupt and actually, even though I don't use this word lightly, evil our governments are. And I'm sorry to use such a cheesy subjective word here, but I don't know what else to call it when I'm seeing videos every day of babies burned under rubble, covered in white phosphorus, or otherwise like mangled. And when you take into account everything that Jeffrey Sachs said, the Columbia professor, all of which is historically accurate and easily verifiable, you have a situation where an occupied territory that has been trying for decades to make peace has turned to violence, which is their right to do under international law, considering they're living under apartheid, to achieve their ends now, and they're being slaughtered for trying to, to, trying to get free like animals. I don't know what other word to use for it. It's evil. And if anyone out there who's, who's arguing against a ceasefire, all I have to say to that is, man, <laughs> you know, I'm not allowed to swear on their show anymore. So let's leave it at that. There needs to be a ceasefire. And then there needs to be immediate negotiations to begin the process of enact, enacting the two-state solution. And if it has to happen under the armed guard of the UN, then I guess that's what has to happen. You know, I'm sure every country except the Western world would gladly send in troops to make that happen. And uh, I, I got to say that just now, uh, like an hour ago, uh, I did see some news that apparently there is a ceasefire that has been negotiated. It hasn't been announced yet. The news that I saw said that it was going to be announced shortly. Crossing my fingers, hoping that's true. And I hope that it sticks. I just want to quote a, a tweet that I saw from Omar Al-Akkad. Uh, which I think, excuse me, which I think nails it. And I want you to remember this. One day, when it's safe, when there's no personal downside to calling a thing what it is, when it's too late to hold anyone accountable, everyone will have always been against this. Remember that. Watch these slimy, scumbag politicians as they writhe their way into what we've all known to be true since the start of this thing. You're going to start to see it happen. And, you know, all of those people, like, 
you know, I'm going to go off on one more thing here, and I'm, I apologize. I know it's about the music here, but I, I, I've had a lot of pent-up anger from the last six weeks. You know, when when the Trump-Biden elections were happening in 2020, how many times did you hear about the lesser of two evils? Mm, you got to vote for the lesser of two evils. How's that working out for you? The lesser of two evils. There is, there is no such thing as the lesser of two evils in America. There's no such thing. There's evil and evil, right? And that's pretty clear. So moving on to the last part of the show, we're going to take a look at, uh, yeah, surprise. Take a guess. Take a wild guess. You'll never guess. <laughs> Doctor Who. The only thing that's keeping me calm these days is trying to celebrate the 60th anniversary. We're going to take a look at the Sixth Doctor era, and this was an interesting era in the show because they wanted to go a bit darker and a bit more modernized, and uh, it didn't quite work out, although people have now looked back on it, and there's a lot more going on than maybe people originally thought, but it's still seen as kind of a low point in Doctor Who. Um, but the music is pretty interesting, and we got uh, Malcolm Clark doing a couple of tracks, and he was a really interesting uh, artist. So we're going to hear a couple of tracks from him, and then if we have time, uh, maybe some Peter Howell, maybe some Dick Mills. Um, it'll be up on umfm.com, the Cheap Tuesdays site. Uh, thanks for tuning in, folks. I'm uh, I'm hoping that I can stay the course and, and keep doing some shows for a few weeks, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I have the patience, but I'm going to try. Take care of yourselves. Keep your fingers crossed for a ceasefire. If there's any action happening in Winnipeg, I highly recommend you be a part of it. we got to stop this garbage. Bye-bye.
Thank <laughs> you.